chapter nine of imperium in imperio by sutton griggs this librivox recording is in the public domain love and politics acting on his father's advice bernard arrived in norfolk in the course of a few days he realized that he was now a politician and decided to make a diligent study of the art of pleasing the populace and to sacrifice everything to the goddess of fame knowing that whom the people loved they honored he decided to win their love at all hazards he decided to become the obedient servant of the people that he might thus make all the people his servants he took up his abode at hotel douglas a colored hotel at which the colored leaders would often congregate bernard mingled with these men freely and soon had the name among them of being a jovial good fellow while at harvard bernard had studied law simultaneously with his other studies and graduated from both the law and classical departments the same year near the city courthouse in a row of somewhat dilapidated old buildings he rented a law office the rowdy and criminal element infested this neighborhood whenever any of these got into difficulties bernard was always ready to defend them if they were destitute of funds he would serve them free of charge and would often pay their fines for them he was ever ready to go on bonds of any who got into trouble he gave money freely to those who begged of him in this manner he became the very ideal of the vicious element though not accounted by them as one of their number bernard was also equally successful in winning favor with the better element of citizens though a good catholic at heart he divided his time among all denominations thus solving the most difficult problem of a negro leader to solve for the religious feeling was so intense that it was carried into almost every branch of human activity having won the criminal and religious circles he thought to go forth and conquer the social world and secure its support he decided to enter society and paid marked attention to that young lady that would most increase his popularity we shall soon see how this would-be conqueror stood the very first fire his life had been one of such isolation that he had not at all moved in social circles before this and no young woman had ever made more than a passing impression on him there was in norfolk a reading circle composed of the brightest most talented young men and women of the city upon taking a short vacation this circle always gave a reception which was attended by persons of the highest culture in the city bernard received an invitation to this reception and in company with a fellow lawyer attended the reception was held at the residence of a miss evangeline leslie a member of the circle the house was full of guests when bernard and his friend arrived they rang the doorbell and the young lady came to the door to receive them she was a small beautifully formed girl with luxuriant growth of coal-black hair that was arranged in such a way as to impart a queenly look to her shapely head her skin was dark brown tender and smooth in appearance a pair of laughing hazel eyes a nose of the prettiest possible size and shape and a chin that tapered with the most exquisite beauty made her face the mecca of all eyes bernard was so struck with the girl's beauty 
but he did not greet her when she opened the door he stared at her with a blank look they were invited in bernard pulled off his hat and walked in not saying a word but eyeing that pretty girl all the while even when his back was turned toward her as he walked his head was turned over his shoulders and his eyes surveyed all the graceful curves of her perfect form and scanned those features that could but charm those who admire nature's work when he had taken his seat in the corner of a room by the side of his friend he said pray who is that girl that met you at the door i really did not know that a dark woman could look so beautiful you are not the only one that thinks that she is surpassingly beautiful said his friend her picture is the only negro's picture that is allowed to hang in the showcases of the white photographers downtown white and colored pay homage to her beauty well said bernard that man who denies that girl's beauty should be sent to the asylum for the cure of a perverted and abnormal taste i see you are rather enthusiastic is it wise to admire mortgaged property remarked his friend what's that asked bernard quickly is anybody in my way in your way laughed his friend pray what do you mean i don't understand you come said bernard i'm on pins is she married or about to be well not exactly that but she has told me that she cares a good bit for me bernard saw that his friend was in a mood to tease him and he rose and left his side his friend chuckled gleefully to himself and said the would-be catcher's caught i thought viola martin would duck him if anybody could tell me about these smile-proof bachelors when once they are struck they fall all to pieces at once bernard sought his landlady who was present as a guest and through her secured an introduction to miss viola martin he found her even more beautiful if possible in mind than in form and he sat conversing with her all the evening as if enchanted the people present were not at all surprised for as soon as bernard's brilliancy and worth were known in the town and people began to love him it was generally hoped and believed that miss martin would take him captive at first sight miss viola martin was a universal favorite she was highly educated and an elocutionist of no mean ability she sang sweetly and was the most accomplished pianist in town she was bubbling over with good humor and her wit and funny stories were the very life of any circle where she happened to be she was most remarkably well informed on all leading questions of the day and men of brain always enjoyed a chat with her and the children and older people fairly worshipped her for she paid especial attention to these in all religious movements among the women she was the leading spirit with all these points in her favor she was unassuming and bowed her head so low that the darts of jealousy so universally hurled at the brilliant and popular never came her way no one in norfolk was considered worthy of her heart and hand and the community was tenderly solicitous as to who should wed her bernard had made such rapid strides in their affections and esteem that they had already assigned him to their pet viola or vi as she was popularly called when the time for the departure of the guests arrived bernard with great regret bade miss martin adieu she ran upstairs to get her cloak and a half-dozen girls went tripping upstairs behind her when once in the room set apart for the ladies cloaks they began to gleefully pound viola with pillows and smother her with kisses you have made a catch vi hold him said one he'll hold himself said another to all of which viola answered with a sigh 
a mulatto girl stepped up to viola and with a merry twinkle in her eyes said theory is theory and practice is practice eh vi well we would hardly blame you in this case viola earnestly replied i shall ask for no mercy theory and practice are one with me in this case bah bah girl two weeks will change that tune and i for one won't blame you replied the mulatto still in a whisper the girl seeing that viola did not care to be teased about bernard soon ceased and she came downstairs to be escorted home by the young man who had accompanied her there this young man was thus early jealous of bernard and angry at viola for receiving his attentions and as a consequence he was silent all the way home this gave viola time to think of that handsome talented lawyer whom she had just met she had to confess to herself that he had aroused considerable interest in her bosom and she looked forward to a promised visit with pleasure but every now and then a sigh would escape her such as she made when the girls were teasing her her escort bade her good-night at her father's gate in a most sullen manner but viola was so lost in thought that she did not notice it she entered the house feeling lively and cheerful but when she entered her room she burst into crying she would laugh a while and cry a while as though she had a foretaste of coming bliss mixed with bitterness bernard at once took the place left vacant by the dropping away of the jealous young man and became viola's faithful attendant accompanying her whenever he could the more he met viola the more beautiful she appeared to him and the more admirable he found her mind bernard almost forgot his political aspirations and began to ponder that passage of scripture that said man should not be alone but he did not make such progress with viola as was satisfactory to him sometimes she would appear delighted to see him and was all life and gaiety again she was scarcely more than polite and seemed perfectly indifferent to him after a long while bernard decided that viola who seemed to be very ambitious treated him thus because he had not done anything worthy of special note he somewhat slacked up in his attentions and began to devote himself to acquiring widespread popularity with a view to entering congress and reaching viola in this way the more he drew off from viola the more friendly she would seem to him and he began to feel that seeming indifference was perhaps the way to win her thus the matter moved along for a couple of years in the meantime mr tiberius gracchus leonard bernard's old teacher was busy in norfolk looking after bernard's political interests acting under instructions from bernard's father senators about this stage of bernard's courtship mr leonard called on him and told him that the time was right for bernard to announce himself to congress bernard threw his whole soul into the project he had another great incentive to cause him to wish to succeed viola martin's hand and heart in order to understand what followed we must now give a bit of virginia political history in the year that we're talking about there was a split in the democratic party of virginia on the question of paying virginia's debt to england the bolting section of the party joined hands with the republicans and whipped the regular democrats at the polls this coalition thus formed was eventually made the republican party of virginia the democrats however rallied and swept this coalition from power and determined to forever hold the state government if they had to resort to fraud they resorted to ballot-box stuffing and various other means to maintain control at last they passed a law creating a state electoral commission 
this commission was composed of three democrats these three democrats were given the power to appoint three persons in each county as an electoral board these county electoral boards would appoint judges for each precinct or voting place in the county they would also appoint a special constable at each voting booth to assist the illiterate voters with rare exceptions the officials were democrats and with the entire state's election machinery in their hands the democrats could manage elections according to their own sweet will it goes without saying that the democrats always carried any and every precinct that they decided and elections were mere farces such was the condition of affairs when bernard came forward as a candidate from the second congressional district the district was overwhelmingly republican but the democrats always secured the office it was regarded as downright foolhardy to attempt to get elected to congress from the district as a republican so the nomination was merely passed around as an honor empty enough it was such a feeling that inspired the republicans to nominate bernard but bernard entered the canvass in dead earnest and conducted a brilliant campaign the masses of colored people rallied around his flag ministers of colored churches came to his support seeing that the colored people were so determined to elect bernard the white republicans leaders and followers fell into line viola martin organized patriotic clubs among the women and aroused whatever voters seemed lethargic the day of election came and bernard was elected by a majority of eleven thousand eight hundred and twenty three votes but the electoral boards gave the certificate of election to his opponent alleging his opponent's majority to be four thousand one hundred and sixty two bernard decided to contest the election in congress and here is where leonard's fine work was shown he had for some time made it appear in norfolk that he was a democrat of the most radical school the leading democrats made his acquaintance and leonard very often composed speeches for them he thus became a favorite with certain prominent democrats and they led him into the secret workings of the electoral machinery thus informed leonard went to headquarters of the democratic party at richmond with a view to bribing the clerks to give him inside facts he found the following to be the character of the work done at headquarters a poll of all the voters in the state was made the number of white and the number of colored voters in each voting precinct was secured the number of illiterate voters of both races was ascertained with these facts in their possession they had conducted all the campaign necessary for them to carry on an election of course speakers were sent out as a sham but they were not needed for anything more than appearances having the figures indicated above before them they proceeded to assign to each district each county each city each precinct just such majorities as they desired taking pains to make the figures appear reasonable and differ somewhat from figures of previous years whenever it would do no harm a precinct was granted to the republicans for the sake of appearances ballot boxes of varied patterns were secured and filled with ballots marked just as they desired some ballots were for republicans some for democrats and some marked wrong so as to indicate the votes of illiterates the majorities of course were invariably such as suited the democrats the ballots were all carefully counted and arranged and tabulated statements of the votes cast put in a sheet for the returns was put in only awaiting the signatures of the officials at the various precincts in order to be complete these boxes were carried by trusted messengers to their destinations on election day not these boxes but boxes similar to them were used to receive the ballots 
on the night of the election the ballot-boxes that actually received the votes were burned with all their contents and the boxes and ballots from richmond were substituted the judges of election took out the return sheet already prepared signed it and returned it to richmond forthwith thus it could always be known thirty days ahead just what the exact vote in detail was to be throughout the entire state in fact the tabulated statement was prepared and printed long before election day leonard paid a clerk at headquarters five thousand dollars for one of these tabulated statements with this he hurried on to washington and secretly placed it before the republican congressional campaign committee with the understanding that it was to be used after election day as a basis for possible contest fifteen of the most distinguished clergymen in the nation were summoned to washington and made affidavits stating that they had seen this tabulated statement twenty days before the election took place when virginia's returns came in they were found to correspond in every detail to this tabulated report as nothing but a prophet direct from god could have foreseen the results exactly as they did occur this tabulated statement was proof positive of fraud on a gigantic scale with this and a mass of other indisputable evidence at his back secured by the shrewd leonard bernard entered the contest for his seat the house of representatives was democratic by a small majority the contest was a long and bitter one the republicans were solidly for bernard the struggle was eagerly watched from day to day it was commonly believed that the democrats would vote against bernard despite the clear case in his favor the day to vote on the contest at last arrived and the news was flashed over the country that bernard had triumphed a handful of democrats had deserted their party and voted with the republicans bernard's father had redeemed his promise of secret support bernard's triumph in a democratic house caused the nation to rub its eyes and look again in wonder the colored people hailed bernard as the coming moses belgrave 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 was on every negro tongue poems were addressed to him babies were named after him honorary titles were showered upon him he was in much demand at fairs and gatherings of notable people he accepted every invitation of consequence whenever possible and travelled far and wide winning friends by his bewitching eloquence and his pleasing personality the democrats after that defeat always passed the second district by and bernard held his seat in congress from year to year unmolested he made application and was admitted to plead law before the supreme court of the united states and when we shall see him again he will be there pleading in one of the most remarkable cases known to jurisprudence End of chapter nine